Thanks, Kevin. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the back um, to pick one up. I'm sure it'll be helpful to you as it'll be helpful for me as I um, point to some of these passages as I go along. But as we open this passage up, let's pray that God will work um, in us. Lord, we pray that you'll speak to us because our salvation is at stake. We pray that you'll remind us of the grace that you've shown towards us, that we may be people of grace to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Corey ten Boom was a Dutch Christian who was known um, for helping Jews escape from Nazi Germany. But she once told of not being able to forget something that somebody had done to her, to the point of it was on her mind constantly, to the point of not being able to sleep at night. So finally, Corey cried out to God, and she writes, um, His help came in the form of a kindly Lutheran pastor to whom I confessed my failures after two sleepless weeks. And the pastor told this story. How, actually, when you, when you ring a bell, church bell, you ring it at the bottom with this, uh, you pull down the big rope, and you ring and ring, and once you stop pulling the rope, you've stopped pulling the rope, but the bell actually keeps on going for a while. It sways for a bit until it stops. What he was saying, of course, was that forgiveness is a decision. It is a decision that you make. But that decision is hard, and the emotional impact and the psychological impact, maybe even spiritual impact of that lingers for a while. It takes a long time until that action, uh, the action of the person against you doesn't reverberate in your mind anymore. But they do eventually if it was true forgiveness. But what I think that story highlights is actually how difficult it is. How difficult it is to forgive. Corey ten Boom um, had difficult t- time forgiving people. I'm sure it's difficult for all of us. And so I'm going to talk maybe sort of three, three ways. One, I'm going to talk about why is it so difficult for, uh, why, is, why is forgiveness so difficult for us? And how is it, secondly, how is it that God can still demand from us unconditional forgiveness, not just once, but 77 times, And finally, what it would mean, what it means for us if we don't forgive. What happens to us when we don't forgive? So that's the outline. Now let's think about why it's so difficult to to forgive. First, I think it's difficult to forgive for the right reasons. Because actually, actually, we're made in God's image. And we're made um, into a people who care for justice. When we see injustice, our hearts and blood should boil. When we see injustice, we want, we should long for justice to be done. When we see injustice, we instinctively cry out. And if you don't, there is actually something wrong with your godliness, right? Because God is just, and we should long for justice. We should cry out for justice. And if you really think about it, forgiveness is unjust. It's not just. Those who did the wrong doesn't get the punishment, those who did the wrong are not going to get the suffering that, come, that should come to them. In fact, forgiveness entails that the person to whom the wrong was done, he bears the burden, she bears the burden, and pays it herself or himself. You know, there, there's a reason why in the question of forgiveness, Jesus goes into the, the, the metaphor of debt, debt of money. 
forgiveness expressed in terms of debt. The servant owes the king. And the fellow servant um, owes his his, his friend. When someone does something wrong, that person is indebted to you because of the wrong that he or she has done to you. And in true forgiveness, we don't gloss over the wrong. We don't gloss over the debt. We recognize it. We don't say, oh, what you done, what you did, actually, it's not that bad. We don't say that. That's not forgiveness. That's just uh, playing down the debt. We don't assign excuses for that person. Because if we're excusing that person, we're saying, actually, there's nothing to forgive. You're justifying that action. Forgiveness has to recognize the debt. Forgiveness has to name the wrong that has, do- that has been done. This is wrong, but I'm not going to demand justice for this. That's forgiveness. This is wrong. What you have done to me is wrong. However, I'm going to forgive it. I'm not going to demand justice for it. But actually, it's, it's, it's a bit more than that. It's, it's a bit more than not demanding justice, right? It's not that we simply, simply won't demand justice, When we forgive, we're saying that we're actively going to do something. We're actively going to cover over that sin. It's saying that I'm going to burden that cost for you. So, I mean, if you think about it, it's sort of obvious. Uh, Say that someone came into your house and broke something, a lamp that cost $300. If you forgive the person, you are absorbing that cost. You are canceling the debt. You're going to either have to go without the lamp for a while or you buy a new one. Either way, you're paying for that debt. You are absorbing the cost yourself. You see, someone always pays. In our parable, it's the king who absorbs the debt of the, the, the unfaithful servant. He has, because king had already paid for it, he can absorb the debt. But obviously, this isn't just about money. Forgiveness is just about not money. It applies to everything. When you are sinned against, you lose something. Maybe your happiness. Maybe you suffer for a while. Maybe you, your reputation takes a, takes a fall. Peace of mind goes away. Maybe your relationship becomes severed or an opportunity is lost. For example, if somebody has hurt your reputation by saying bad things about you, You are going to suffer. And now you have a choice. You can actually pay him back by spreading rumors or saying bad things about that person because that would be just. Or you can forgive that person and suffer because of your lost reputation. It will take a while to restore that reputation, wouldn't it? You will have to suffer for it. And actually, it's double way, right? Because you've suffered already, and you're not going to get the satisfaction of getting justice. So it's two-way suffering. That's why forgiveness is so difficult. Because we are made to be just. We are made to be angry at injustice. To pay back a wrong with a wrong. And when we forgive, we bear that cost. In fact, um, Tim Keller says that this is, uh, Pastor Tim Keller from um, New York says that forgiveness is a form of voluntary suffering. I think that's very true. We're going to suffer emotionally, psychologically, sometimes even physically, even though we have done nothing wrong when we forgive a person. Of course, there is that freedom 
that comes when we forgive people, but that comes after suffering. It doesn't come easily. So it's just hard to forgive, to sign up for voluntary suffering. And I think this parable actually recognizes how difficult it is to forgive. Just think about the amount that um, Jesus mentions, the amount that the unforgiving servant has to forgive, we're told is 100 denarii. 100 denarii. And if you think that's a small amount, that's, that's wrong, because it's not just some money in the pocket, right? It's four months' salary, four months of living wages. I don't know about you. I don't know about how, how much money you have in your bank account, but four months' salary is not something that I just give away randomly, right? Oh, you can have that. No, I, if, if, if I give it away, I will suffer. There will be consequences for me giving that money away. Four months' salary. It's not an easy thing to forgive. You see, Jesus isn't making light of the sins that are done against us. He's not saying these are insignificant. Oh, you should just forgive. He's not saying that. This will be hard. And when you forgive, you will feel the loss as a result. But at the same time, Jesus does not give you any wiggle room here. For the Christian, forgiveness is not an option that we can entertain. Jesus' words are surprising, I think, to me in its sternness. This is what he says in verse 34. Take a look. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailer to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my, heaven, how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. There's no wiggle room there. Unless we forgive others, we will be judged. God will call us wicked servant, and we will face God's wrath against us ourselves, and we will be forced to pay all that we had done against God by ourselves. We forfeit our salvation unless we forgive. Our salvation is at stake, Jesus says. So we must forgive, even though this is really difficult. We must forgive. But that's not Peter's question, right? Peter's question was a bit harder. He's not asking, Lord, should we forgive others? It's challenging. Peter asked in verse 21, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me? How many times? And Peter's suggestion is admirable. He says, up to seven times? I met with a non-Christian person who was asking me about uh, this week about some self-improvement. How could I improve myself here in you know, this way and that way? And he's a really nice guy. And I think because he's a nice guy, I think his limit of sort of forgiveness may be up to, uh, up to seven times because he's really nice. If he tried really hard, maybe he would be able to forgive somebody up to seven times. And wouldn't that just be the threshold uh, before we blow up? But Jesus says, not even seven times in verse 22, but 77 times. He basically says, you should forgive another person infinite number of times. How is this possible? Could you imagine forgiving your backstabbing colleague 77 times? I mean, you're probably still smarting over that one time that this person did something to you. I mean, is that the case? Seven, seven times? 77 times, your lying 
son or daughter, people who in the church who might have wronged you, who might have shamed you, even publicly, spouses who might have committed adultery, and it's not, it's not even our spouse. Theft. How can God demand this unconditional forgiveness from us? All of us, after all, are human beings. Doesn't God know? Doesn't God know of our humanity? But then, to explain how we could come to this point, he basically tells the gospel story, which is divine story, which is divine. He tells of the king who is owed 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 is the biggest Roman numeral number there is. Biggest Roman numeral number, 10,000. And a talent is the biggest unit of money that they had at the same time. So this is the biggest number that could be expressed at the time. So this is the biggest number that could be expressed. The biggest amount of money that could be expressed. And it was so much that according to verse 25... It wasn't just that he, if he became a servant, he could pay off. It wasn't just that, that wasn't enough. He had to be sold. He had to sell everything that he had in his house. And his wife and children had to be sold off uh, to servitude indefinitely to be able to pay off this debt. So this servant does the only thing that a person in that situation could do. He comes, he begs, he gets down on his, on his knees and he begs uh, the, the king. He says he'll do anything to pay off the debt in time. But then king, the king is moved with compassion. He takes pity and he says, I'll cancel all your debt. Go home, go home. The king chose to pay that debt himself. He absorbs that debt. But as we know, this is the gospel story. And this king, our king, had a real cost in that forgiveness. Because God is just. To pay back the debt that we owe against God, he sent his son. And his son lived a perfect, righteous, blameless life. Because a blameless, a, 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 a sacrifice that has any, um, any blemish cannot be a sacrifice. So Jesus lived uh, an unblemished life. And then he dies on the cross. He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He feels the pang of that separation that sin brings into our lives. And he cries out, as he dies, it is finished, which also could be translated as it is paid. The debt is paid. Once again, I'm sure you've heard this before, but I think uh, it's, once again, it's good to remind ourselves that grace is free. Grace is free. God's gift for us is free, but it was very costly. It was costly grace because Jesus had to die for us to be able to have that grace, for the grace to be free for us. And Jesus says, that is the basis of our forgiveness. Understanding God's infinite mercy shown towards each one of us, that is the key for us to be able to forgive. The key is to understand that no matter how big people's sin against you is, no matter how big the forgiveness that you feel is, your offense against God is that much greater is infinitely greater. That, that you think that you are much, uh, you, are, you, you are victims, victims of the wrong that has been done against you. But the key is to understand that you are actually much bigger offenders 
to God. You're much bigger offenders than you are victims because of every sin that we have committed against God. And God had forgiven that debt towards us. And that's how we can forgive if we understand that good news of Jesus. When we forgive, what we're saying is to other people, not that they're worthy of forgiveness, not that we are good people, we're saying to other people, we are forgiven people, that there is a forgiver, that we have received this forgiveness. Sam Muffet uh, is a professor emeritus at Princeton Seminary uh, who had served as a missionary in China. He came to Wheaton College, uh, and he spoke to the students there, um, and he talked about his time, uh, during, uh, his time in China during the Cultural Revolution. And they seized his house. They came and seized his house um, and all his possessions. He, they burned down the missionary compound and killed some of his closest friends. And Moffat and his family left, fled from China, he barely escaped, and when he left China, he, he said that he, he, he took with him a deep resentment against um, Chairman Mao and all the followers. And that, that, that uh, deep resentment was cancerous and how it was spreading uh, over his heart. And finally, he told Wheaton students that he faced a singular crisis of faith. He said, I realized that if I have no forgiveness for the communists, then I have no message at all. If I don't have that forgiveness for the communist, I don't have a message to give anyone at all, and that is true for us. That is the gospel that God has forgiven us. And if we can't forgive others, we have no message to offer to other people. Since that is really the truly unique thing about Christianity, isn't it? Because all other gods... Demand that we be good before we can be accepted. All other gods say that we have to work to earn our forgiveness. But Christianity says God sent his only son to die for us while we were sinners. And that is our message. It has to be. Because that's the only thing that we can offer to this broken world that desperately needs forgiveness anywhere, everywhere. More than our tithes more than our service, more than our smiles and welcome as people come in, more than our good actions, more than anything that we could offer by ourselves, people must receive forgiveness from us. Because we're saying when we forgive, there is a forgiver, that there is a new possibility of being, because that is the gospel. But you might be thinking once again, you know, that's easy for you to say because you, you probably, nothing bad happened to you, probably. And that's true, right? Nothing really bad has happened to me. But just think about what it means not to forgive. If we don't forgive, how big the... Uh, uh, if we don't forgive, uh, what that means. If we don't forgive, however big the wrong against you um, is, if we don't forgive, we're saying we don't know Christ and his unconditional and radical forgiveness towards us. We're saying that if we are forgiven, if we are forgiven, we're saying it's somehow because we were good, because we earned that forgiveness. And if we do, um, 
recognize how great that debt is, our debt against God is, and still choose not to forgive, then what it means is that we show ourselves to be wicked people. Isn't it? Isn't that, that's what Jesus says. Jesus calls this unforgiving servant in verse 32, wicked. You wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And you might, you know, there are, it's tempting to think if God only knew, if God knows how big this, this, this thing that this person did against me is, that God would excuse me because this is just so, such a terrible thing that this person did to me. If you are thinking like that, you are mistaken. On the judgment day, Jesus will say to you, you wicked servant. And if that happens, we will face, once again, judgment by ourselves for our sin. And I want to make sure that I'm not preaching a theology of works here. Theology of works basically says that if you forgive enough people, then God will forgive you. That's not, that's not what this is. This is not the logic of what Jesus is saying. Jesus starts with that grace. But then, if we have received this grace, and, but we can't forgive others, that means that we haven't really received God's grace. That's what he's saying. If we did, then not forgiving others would not be an option for us. And that's the thing to really go away with today. Not forgiving people is not a possibility for us if we truly understand the gospel, if we truly understand how big our debt against God is and how that debt was um, forgiven uh, through Christ, because that grace is then transformative. This is why I think, you know, um, recently a person in this congregation became a Christian and uh, he cried. When that happened, I don't, I, you know, for, for most of us, for many of us, actually, that is the experience, isn't it? When we became Christian, we cried. And if you think about why, I think it's God's grace just melting your heart. God saying, I love you unconditionally. I have given you this love unconditionally. I love you. And it's transformative grace. That heart of stone that, 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 that we had is melting and it's becoming a heart of flesh. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the grace. That's the transforming grace working within us. It's not possible for those people who have experienced that grace not to forgive others. Remember what Paul wrote to Colossians, Colossians 1.6. All over the world, world, this gospel is bearing fruit just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace. You see what I'm saying? The day that you heard and understood God's grace, it's been bearing fruit. It will bear fruit in your life. That's what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, to remain in him, to understand ourselves as forgiven people, as graced people, people who are children of God because of grace. And if we remain in him, we will bear that fruit. And we will be able to forgive, not just once, not just seven times, but 77 times. 
I know forgiveness is difficult. Um, and remember that Lutheran pastor, um, the, the thing about the bell that keeps on ringing. It might be that you have forgiven people, but it's just taking time. And, you know, bigger the, bigger the sin, longer it will take for you to really not feel the effects of that, uh, of, of that sin. It will take time for everything to heal. And you will suffer as a result of your decision to forgive. But that's what we do. We are people of a different world. We are people who show the world another way. That there is forgiveness and that there is also the forgiver. Before um, we sing this uh, song, Amazing Grace, that reminds us how amazing that grace really is for us. Can we just take three minutes, pray, think about the person that you need to forgive, think about the anger that you have, lay it down before Christ, think about and bring it to the cross, think about the grace that you received on the cross, and let's make that decision to forgive, and let's ask God, um, God's help in our forgiveness, and the music team will come and lead us in, three, in about three minutes.